0: You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast.
1: It's time for straight talk about diversity, frank questions, honest answers, and real insights. It's diversity straight up with your co-hosts, Sadika Bhatka and Anthony Arrington. Diversity Straight Up is a Corridor Business Journal podcast brought to you by the City of Cedar Rapids, Collins Aerospace, and Alliant Energy. On today's episode, Phil Jasper, President of Mission Systems at Collins Aerospace, United Technologies Corporation. Someone from the audience came up to me
2: and introduced themselves, and they asked where I was from, and I said I was from Iowa, and they said, wow. You are really articulate for someone from Iowa.
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: And, and you know, I just... Well, yeah, I do mean to, to challenge you on that a
3: little bit because the reality is that's how you feel. But to your point, you control what you control. And I imagine that there's some scenarios.
0: I was looking at it from my centric view. And so I've developed my cultural competency over the years that I realized that I need to recognize that uh, there are wishing mean good spirits.
1: We'll be right back.
3: Diversity Straight Up is sponsored by the City of Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids is a welcoming and vibrant city, encompassing unique attractions, exciting and diverse events, specialty shopping, a dynamic art scene, and a large variety of restaurant and nightlife options. You'll find that Cedar Rapids offers one
0: of the best places to live, work, and play in the Midwest. At Collins Aerospace, we believe that fostering an inclusive environment makes our employees feel valued. It also helps our business succeed. By encouraging diverse viewpoints in the workplace, we're redefining futures. It's why we proudly support the Corridor Business Journal's diversity podcast, Diversity Straight Up. So Anthony, I know that right now we are in the midst of holiday season and I get this question from a lot of people. What do you say when someone says Happy Diwali, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas? How do you feel? Do you feel it's not inclusive?
3: Serika, Serika, Serika. No, I don't feel it's... uh, Let me make sure I understood how you asked that question because I don't think it's offensive for people to say that. I don't think anybody should take offense if you say Happy Holidays or Happy Kwanzaa or Happy Diwali to another individual who doesn't believe in that. They believe in Christmas, for example. Uh, that's okay. In my opinion that's o- that's okay. Everybody has a belief and that we should w- we shouldn't be sen- oversensitive I think to to my belief that it's all about Christmas and if you say happy Diwali then I take Dwally. offense to of that. Diwali, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um because you're stepping on my my religion or my my faith. Um you just have a different faith and that's that should be okay. That should be
0: okay. Okay. Well, thank you. So, I think, What do you think? I have to admit that I used to get offended when someone would say Merry Christmas to me because I would think that, oh, I'm a Hindu. Why would you say Merry Christmas to me? Uh, one, they would not know I'm Hindu. Huh. Two, I was looking at it from my centric view. And so I've developed my cultural competency over the years that I realized that I need to recognize yeah. that um, they're wishing me good That's spirits. interesting.
3: I learned something new about you. You too. I didn't know that. I can see that. You, it's funny, it, it, upbringing, the way you're brought up, maybe background, because it, quite honestly, I'll be very honest, until probably three or four years ago when this debate started about Christmas versus Kwanzaa versus... Well, I it was I didn't even know, really, it was a big deal. I, it never really resonated to me that that was such a sensitive topic until I started hearing about it in the news, and it just never crossed my mind. And I was never raised to think about it that way.
0: Yes, well, in our workplaces, yeah. we are really informed to say happy holidays yeah and so it's almost collectively trying to indicate that it's just interesting topic and I think that it was really relevant and uh, we can spend hours on it but we have a very exciting show today with an amazing guest
3: Phil Jasper who's president of mission systems at Collins Aerospace and United Technologies Corporation so we are so glad to have you Phil welcome to the show today thank you
0: Well, let me share a little bit more about Phil in his role as a President of Mission Systems at Collins Aerospace United Technologies Corporation. He is responsible for delivering military, government, and civil solutions to help customers worldwide safely and successfully complete their most complex missions. He's a 26-year veteran of the industry. Phil previously served as Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of Government Systems at Rockwell Collins. Not only that, but he is heavily involved in the community with volunteer engagement from STEM outreach com- activities in the community. Phil is committed to developing innovations for the aerospace and defense industry that keeps warfighters safe, connected, and formed. Phil, we're so excited to have you here today. <laughs> you. Welcome to the show. And for our listeners, this is... Bill's first podcast ever. So we're very excited to be able to have him. Uh,
3: happy to be here. Glad, uh, <laughs> glad to so contribute. So well, let's get into it. Uh, we wanted to talk again. I think we, we mentioned we just want to ha- have a great conversation. So as, as we think about diversity uh, in your life, Phil, can you talk about an aha moment as a, as a professional? Maybe it was a per- personal situation in your life or a professional aha moment around diversity and equity, inclusion and engagement that made you realize you had to make that a focus of yourself as a professional.
2: Yeah, I I don't know that it was an aha moment Mm -hmm. around necessarily the topic of diversity and inclusion, but it was an aha moment about maybe internal biases that really has helped shape my opinion on different things uh, as I was going through my career. And, And it really happened when one time I was on the East Coast giving a presentation to a group of individuals. And after I was finished with my presentation, someone from the audience came up to me and introduced themselves and they asked where I was from and I said I was from Iowa and they said wow you are really articulate for someone from Iowa oh my goodness <laughs> and and you know I just uh, I just almost had to take a gasp at that statement and it just reinforced to me that that there are biases everywhere and preconceived notions there are stereotypes everywhere and you know, as, as I look back on that now, that really became a defining moment, I think, in my career where I said, we want people to be authentic. I could have taken that example and, and started to deny that I was from Iowa or maybe minimize the fact I was from Iowa. Yeah. But instead, I turned it around and I said, you know, I'm proud to be from Iowa and to illustrate to people that, you know, we've got great leaders here. We've got great talent. And, yes, we're articulate in Iowa. Yeah. And, and. uh uh so you know, then I draw a lot of parallels to that, to uh diversity and inclusion and how we wanna make sure that everyone can feel authentic in the workplace.
3: Yeah. So did did was there a moment there where you took offense to that then?
2: Or, well, was think, there that second where you're like, that's that's not cool. Yeah. I, I think I think the more I thought about it, the more uh you know, I started to take offense at it a mm-hmm. little bit and it was just like you know that was that was kind of a such a closed-minded statement that uh, someone would say that they really didn't have a worldview, uh, right. uh, And didn't really appreciate that there could be uh, talented people that are different from themselves. Yeah. Uh, and and so, you know, then then once I worked through being offended at it, it was like, okay, that's. I know how I feel now. I don't ever want to do that to someone else. Yeah. So I never want anyone else to feel the way that I felt relative to that. I think
3: that's interesting. Cause I know I've had those conversations before where I've spoken with one of my white counterparts and we've just been having discussions and they've had an experience in their life, an adverse experience where they felt outed or they felt like the outsider felt mm-hmm. different than, and, and, um, my conversation, and I'll tell the story later if we have time, but my conversation is, that's how I feel probably 20 times a day Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you that's something that you not that we want you to experience bad experiences but it's good to know as a middle-aged white man that you've had some adversity in your your career that you've had to question yeah and it's it's driven the way you think so that's good
0: yeah well I know that when someone asked me where I'm from and I said Iowa They'll ask me the question again. No, seriously, yeah. where are you from? And I said, Iowa. I have lived in Iowa for 16 years. I was born in India, but this was my home and the longest time of my whole life is in Iowa. So they'll ask me again, no, where are you originally Originally from? So I used to take offense, Phil, and I appreciate you sharing how you felt. I used to take offense. But then I realized that either I can take offense or I can use this as a conversation starter. And that's how Mm -hmm. I started to take it. I would say, you know what, they only know what they know. So let me um, engage with them. And either I can help by having the conversation started or I can help by shutting it off immediately based on my response and my actions.
2: Right. Yeah, I think I think part of what uh, what is really important in that is you've got to establish an environment where people feel that they can raise their voice. They can have a dialogue about it without being criticized. Uh, without being uh, judged in that environment. And, and so, you know, I work really hard to create that environment where I feel everybody, and the term I use is I, I want everybody to feel that they're respected, they're valued, and they're heard in that discussion. So, you know, for example, as we're going through business discussions and maybe we're putting together strategic plans, I want everybody to come to the table with their ideas because I don't want everyone to think and act like I do because then we would not innovate. We would not be able to grow and and uh continue to be a successful business if everybody thought and acted the same way as me but i also know to your point that that some people based on prior experience may, maybe even on a cultural background they're hesitant to bring that up mm-hmm. they're hesitant to create that type of environment and uh and so that's our job as leaders in the business world to help create an environment where people do that and And I think part of uh, that experience comes from traveling around the world and experiencing the different cultures that we work with. So, for example, doing business in the Middle East, a lot of times you'll go over there and you will have discussions with customers more about getting to know each other. And it may take several trips before you even start to discuss business at all because that's the cultural aspect. And sometimes that's hard for us as business leaders here in America Mm -hmm. because we just want to move fast and we want to go fast. And that can actually be offensive to some cultures around the world where they view that as we're being too pushy or too aggressive. And they, they don't want to do business with you because they don't know you as a person yet. And so you've got to take that time to develop the relationship. And, and you really need to be sensitive to what, you know, trying to understand what are the backgrounds, what are the experiences of the teams, of the people that we're working with, and really try to create that environment of where people feel that they can get to know you and make them comfortable that, you know what, it, it, it is okay to bring up different ideas occasionally and yeah. talk about various topics.
3: That's interesting, it's a nice segue because you, you mentioned that in business and business development, especially in traveling the world, it takes several meetings just to, because you're getting to know the person, the culture. I remember when I was in talent acquisition at Rockwell, at Rockwell Collins before it was UTC, and I moved into subcontracts, and my manager handed me this book here, and it's called Kiss, Bow or shake hands. Yep. And my manager at Rockwell, and I, think, I thought he told me that every manager got this or yes. it, was, it was something everybody gets. And this book teaches you, depending on what country you want to go to, all the norms of that country, what the political environment's like, how to shake hands, yes. or should I bow? Should I drink the vodka or not? Yes. <laughs> um, there's, it's literally in this book. And so is this – talk about your preparation when you travel. You've been around the world enough times. You probably know a lot of the norms. But places you don't go to, what's your what's your – method? Well, my method,
2: my method is actually I use that book. I have, oh. that, I have that on <laughs> my bookcase good book in my office uh, that I that I refer to when I go to a, a, a different country. Even if I've been there before or several times, I always use that as a reference to uh, to just refresh myself right. uh, because there are certain customs uh, and and certain things that people in other cultures either like or maybe would become offended by, and right. I, I need to be, I want to be sensitive to that as, mm-hmm. I, as I go throughout my travels. The other thing that I really try to do when I travel internationally, uh, and it's not always easy to do based on the, the, the tyranny of our schedules sometimes, but I always try to carve out a little bit of time to, to experience some part of the culture uh, of the area, the region where I'm going. So, you know for example one time uh, when I was in the Middle East uh, I had a little bit of extra time and I made sure that I went to the Grand Mosque to witness prayers, uh, uh, the call to prayers and prayers in, um, in Abu Dhabi uh, just to experience that culture so I could get a little bit better feel for what our customers uh, and even our employees in that region experience uh, so that I feel that that just gives me a better appreciation for uh, the diversity that we've got in our organization and respect for the various cultures to understand a little bit more about how they work and what's important to them.
0: I think uh, that is a great uh, tip that you've been able to provide to our listeners is how do you enhance your cultural competency? You travel around the world, so by default people sometimes say, well, I don't have the opportunity to travel around the world or my business is not um, global in the sense that it doesn't have multiple facilities around the globe, but our backyards are global, and the reality is you indicated that you wanted to get exposed in terms of how others pray, and so you took it upon yourself to get exposed to that, and you consciously made that choice. How can you help inspire others, other leaders, even within your own organization, to continue to enhance their cultural competency?
2: You know, one of the things that I like to say in the organization is, um, you know, diversity is a fact, and inclusion is a choice. We live in a diverse world. We have a diverse workforce. We can choose to include people or or not include people uh, as as a part of all of the activities that, uh, throughout the course of our business day. And and part of including those people is uh, or or including everyone is to understand a little bit more. So that can be getting involved in activities. Uh, so for example, within Collins Aerospace, we have employee resource groups. Mm-hmm uh and, and I'm a firm believer I need to lead by example. Uh you know, not just lead by example, but because it's important to me. So I'm the executive sponsor of our Latino employee network uh, here in Cedar Rapids. I'm the executive sponsor uh of our African American professional forum in Richardson, Texas, for example. And so uh that's a way for me to get involved. Uh you know when they have the Latino festival, for example, here in Cedar Rapids. I always make a point of going down, uh taking my family there to experience a culture. And I really encourage my teams to do the same, to get involved, uh, to help sponsor activities uh, within the organization, and, and really try to, to demonstrate through my leadership the example that it's very important. It's a business imperative for us uh, to be inclusive in our environment and really create uh, a workforce and teams that appreciate one another, what everyone else can bring to the table, so that at the end mm-hmm. of the day, we're better for it. Yeah, really
3: like that. Really, I, I like that you mentioned that you need to be involved and you take it personally. And, and to use my layman's term, you've come out of the C-suite to come and hang out amongst people that help make a difference in an organization. That's awesome.
0: Well, next you, time we want to see you at Asian Fest as yeah. well. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Something you mentioned, though, we, we talk a lot about, Sarek and I talk about acquired diversity versus inherent diversity. Acquired is learning through experiences and where you grew up at, what area what your family life was like. And so you, your experiences, you acquire a diverse mindset and it brings me to a story I heard about you and I really wanted to talk about it. You've been getting a lot of praise from, from some folks at at Collins about a reverse mentoring experience that you had uh, with one of your employees. Um, I think it was a young Mm African-American and you spent time reverse mentoring in it. My understanding is it had a significant impact on you so much so that you traveled to this person's hometown can you talk about that and how that how that started and how that impacted you and and the reverse mentoring experience and what it did to you
2: yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was a great experience and I, it actually started because I was mentoring a young african-american uh, professional within the organization and and helping him with uh, you know just career advice uh, how to navigate the corporate world uh, uh, you know we shared a connection that uh, uh... we both graduated from iowa state university so you know we shared some commonality and we just got to know each other by me being his mentor and as we got more and more into the the topic of diversity uh, i I really felt that i could learn a lot from him rather than just being a mentor i wanted to be a mentee uh... because he had a very interesting background he was born and raised in another country uh... moved to america um uh... you know uh, grew up in a, um, a very different environment for me. You know, I was born and raised on a farm in Northeast Iowa, mm-hmm. uh, and that's obviously not the most diverse background. Right. Yet as, as I look around the workforce, I look around the population that we're drawing from, it's much more diverse. And I wanted to learn from the experiences that this individual had uh, growing up in that environment and the challenges uh, that this individual faced uh, in not just getting an education, but getting out of that environment being the first member of his family to go into college education, just the pressures that that puts on uh, an individual to be successful, uh, things that I took for granted, uh, that, you know, I didn't have some of those challenges in terms of, you know, it's too dark for me to walk home, it's not safe, so I need to sleep uh, at my friend's house where where I'm at, for example, Uh, or I need to there's only a certain way that I can walk to school each day because it's not safe for me. Uh, in order to go do that, uh, the influence of, of individuals' parents in terms of no, we want you to get the education, we want you to mm-hmm. to aspire to do great things, and and I really learned uh, a great thing, uh, 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 many great things from that. One one in particular that um, really has stuck with me is uh, he brought a picture to one of one of our reverse mentoring sessions, and. On the top was a part of one of the ads that we had from Collins Aerospace, and it was a picture of a middle-aged white male in a corporate jet working on his computer with a bunch of papers on the corporate jet. And below that picture was a group of African-American boys, children, uh, you know, in uh, an urban environment. And hmm. he said, the challenge that we have is how do you get those boys who have no idea what an airplane is, what it's like to fly in a corporate jet, probably don't even know what it's like to fly in an airplane, right. to resonate with that picture of a white man sitting in a big executive jet. And and that was the face we're putting on our company. And so if we want to continue to be diverse and inclusive in our environment, it's it really stuck with me that we have to really think consciously about Every aspect of what we do in our business because it's always portraying a picture. People can always take away and interpret things. And we got to make sure that we're creating the environment where people feel that they can fit in, that they can be authentic in that environment. Um, you know, we, we want the African-American professionals, for example, to resonate with, wow, I aspire uh, to, to that environment, but they couldn't see themselves in that picture. And that really stuck with me in terms of how do you create that vision that right. people have
3: what'd you do as a, as a result of that it, was there something was there an action you took because of that or? well
2: i think it's just more of an awareness that yeah, i try to create cool. within my team and i think the biggest thing i can do is share that story with with my team members with our our marketing and sales activities you know and and uh, i have used that from time to time with some of the promotional materials and i look at it and i say okay this is this is presenting the face of maybe a. A Caucasian element of our business, but what are we doing to make sure that we uh, get better representation and a better uh, portrayal of the inclusive environment that we're really trying to take? You know, we, we've got a motto right now within Collins Aerospace about redefining aerospace. <laughs> That's not just about the technology and things that, uh, and the products and the capabilities that we're making uh, around the world, but it's really how do we redefine ourselves also from a workplace uh, and, and how do we become even more diverse, more inclusive. Uh, and the great thing about Collins Aerospace is we're a bigger organization now. We've got so many better, so, so, so many more uh, best practices and opportunities for us to draw from a much broader base that we can, we can really explore and leverage now to, to continue down
1: that journey. Awesome. Alliant Energy is a place where I can create the future, where my skills, creativity, and new ideas make a better tomorrow. I help deliver the energy, powering moments that matter to you. It's where we care about the environment and our neighbors, a place where my talents and skills grow. My job isn't a job. It's my passion, my place, my purpose, because I am energy. See how you can put your energy to work at AlliantEnergy.com careers.
0: So let's uh, take a look a little bit about the talent attraction aspect of it. As you mentioned, that you're trying to redefine not only the aerospace industry, but also your talent workforce. I'm going to use Iowa as an example, but I do want to talk about other um, locations as well as your global company. And we want to make sure that listeners around the world can really resonate with this. African-American professionals. They're not resonating because they're seeing certain images, et cetera. We also have stats that Iowa and Midwest is not uh, the great greatest place mm-hmm. for African Americans and blacks to live in. You sit on the Iowa Business Council, and um, you know from a recruitment perspective that Iowa also has a challenging diversity optics. What can you do, or what do you want um, us as um, the Midwest to really focus on at this point?
2: Yeah. You know, I I think it's very important for us to uh, help create an environment because from talent uh, attraction, it's not just about attracting the talent here. Um, You know, as I look at our experiences in the company, a lot of times we can attract the talent. uh, But a real key that we've got to do is how do you get that talent engaged Mm -hmm. and then how do you retain that talent? Uh, And, and, you know, sometimes – it's different based on the demographics that you're you're recruiting from. I mean, you've, you've identified that the African-American uh, population in Iowa is not that great. So what steps can we take as a company to help engage and create the community? That's why we're doing things like employee resource groups within our company to help at least establish a community within our cities and regions from a work environment where people can connect and hopefully start sharing some uh, common bonds, some common uh, uh, pictures to uh in order to stay connected with one another to help build a community. Uh you know, similar similarly activities that we've got going on around uh STEM uh activities, getting people engaged uh earlier on in their careers. Um, and and I think continuing to advocate as they go through the educational system. So, you know, I still am active at Iowa State University sitting on the uh, uh, uh Industrial Advisory Council for the College of Engineering. And when I'm on campus, I make a, a real effort to sit down with the diverse engineering students to talk to them about careers in Iowa uh, and the opportunities that are available for them uh, to stay here in the state and continue to contribute uh, to be engaged. Uh, and, and you know, at the end of the day, it really is about not just attracting but engaging them uh, because, you know, a lot of studies show that if you have, if you have an inclusive workforce uh the people are engaged and that engagement's going to lead to the innovation that goes forward
0: well i am glad you talk about engagement because sometimes this industry is really focused on equity diversity inclusion and i always say where's the engagement because the engagement especially with high levels of a disengagement globally we're looking at what 80 some percent so how do you work on engagement and how do you leverage diversity as an asset in some of your other global locations can you share a little bit what some of the struggles you've experienced um I know the U.S. because it is a country full of immigrants. Not all your countries um, look like America. So what are some of their challenges um, in some of the other countries that um, Collins or UTC has experienced?
2: Yeah, you know, as uh, I, I keep going back as, as I uh, look at that around the world is I, I keep going back to my earlier statement that diversity is a fact. Diversity is everywhere in the world, right? And it really comes down to inclusion. And uh, uh, and that's something that all of us can do around the world to get our workforce in, uh, to feel included, to feel engaged. But that's where you need to maybe tailor your approach based on what region of the world or what region of the country that you're dealing with, for example. So, you know, for example, in Texas is, is more diverse than Iowa is. So some of your approaches in terms of engaging talent uh, will, take, uh, will, will be a little different there, similarly in Europe uh... different ways to engage the talent to include that talent and again it's not just um, ethnic or cultural diversity but it's also the talent the background the experiences people have had and being able to include them and that's uh... you know that's one of the great things that we do uh... around the around the globe with our company is we really try to draw upon those experiences and get people to uh... connect with one another share those experiences and and really build upon that and and as I've found as I've gone around the world, you know, my facilities in the UK, they have, they have different needs than the facilities in France, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and different approaches to, to different things. There's no right or wrong in that environment. It's just the, the approaches to inclusion, to engagement, really need to be tailored to where you're at in that, in that community. Now, on a, on a broader level, uh, you know, within my business, one of the things that, uh, that I've done is I've established a diversity and inclusion council. And I've picked some, uh, uh, some high-quality talent from around the country in the organization to really serve as uh, a sounding board for us as a senior leadership team within my business to say, what can we do more, uh, more of? How can we do better? Uh, what are some roadblocks to us really unlocking the full potential and engagement in the organization uh, to make sure that we're doing everything we can so people feel respected, valued, and heard?
3: That's awesome. Uh, that group that you started the leadership diversity council within within Collins is was that a Phil Jasper idea? Is that something that someone came to you and said you should do this? No, it was so, it was And I'm not asking you to take credit. I just yeah. what I want your the listeners to hear is if that's, you know, that's that's driven by you. Yeah. That's that's incredible.
2: Yeah, it's again, I'm not going to take credit for it. It was really my team's right, uh, right. idea that that, you know, as as we came come together as senior leadership team, we talk about critical issues to the business and and it's not just always the technology or the business approach or the customers that we deal with, right. but it's it's the workforce issues. You yeah. know, that's that's one of the key areas that we as leaders need to spend our time on is continuing to develop and improve the leadership in the organization. And, and uh, you know, obviously, we need to increase the diversity in the organization, the inclusion in our organization. And so it was really us saying, what can we do different uh, from that standpoint to bring more thought to the table and it's not just all of us doing it Mm -hmm. but it's an independent group that's actually living and experiencing this throughout the country yeah and so we're just at the very beginning stages of that council's work Um, but there's a lot of excitement around that right now and and I tell you what it's very engaging for those employees as well because they feel it's an opportunity right uh, to really uh, uh, have a sounding board for here's some things that we think of that that uh, uh, or that we're experiencing, that we want you to be aware of.
0: Can yep. you share a little bit more about what some of those uh, issues or what some of those challenges are coming out in the early phases? You just mentioned that they indicated we're experiencing this. Are you able to share with our listeners what some things are bubbling up right now?
2: Well, I would say that right now they're you know they're still in the formative stages okay. of those things. But I think um, you know part of that discovery process is uh, you know activities like that continue to highlight that. All of us have unconscious bias uh, in our systems. And I think one of the things I'm looking forward to coming out of this group as well is indications of are they seeing that in the organization? Are we making progress trying to knock down some of that or at least create awareness within the organization that people have unconscious biases? We all do. Everyone. And, And so then... What can we do about that to make sure that those don't get in the way of us being successful?
0: Well, you know, it was something that uh, we had a conversation yesterday about unconscious bias, how um, we've had some people say, oh, I'm so done with it. We've been hearing it all the time. But maybe because we live and breathe it, we know that this is existing and it's out there. But there's others that are still just learning more about it. Mergers and acquisitions are happening in your world, Mm -hmm. and you've been at this uh, company since you were an intern. So you've seen a lot of changes over time with the recent mergers and acquisitions and the workplace cultures that you're looking at trying to integrate how do biases come into play or what are you seeing some of the biases that are coming out of it that are being unearthed and how do you help your team and your talent navigate through this, especially when it's a culture that they're not familiar with and we know workplace cultures have biases as well. So how do you help them navigate through this?
2: Yeah, I think, I think it's a case of, you know, everybody has, you know, the biggest bias is we've always done it this way. It's Mm. the right (laughs) way to do it. Right. Uh, Uh, And, and, uh, and, and so, this again I think is is a key of leadership in an organization is to be able to embrace change and really create that environment again it's back to creating that inclusive environment where people feel that they can they can say look I know you've always done it this way but let me tell you about the way we have did it and demonstrate some results uh, or show you how that can be effective right you know what one of the the things that I try to do within my leadership team is create an environment where I give people the permission to disagree, but then commit. And at the end of the day, what, what I mean by that is I want people to come into the organization or into meetings, into various topics, uh, planning sessions that we're doing, and I want them, if they've got an opinion, get that on the table. Let's debate it. Let's talk about it. And at the end of the day, we're going to make a decision, and And I want everyone to support that. And my experience tells me that I We get a lot more support for a decision if people feel their viewpoint was heard. And even at the end of the day, if the decision doesn't go the way they necessarily wanted it to, if they feel they were included and they were heard in that decision making process, they're going to be much more likely to support that business decision going forward Uh, because they can go out and they can say, yeah, I, I had input to that. Maybe it's not the way I would have necessarily done it, but I had input, and right. I know they took that into account. Yeah,
3: I want to expand on the, the M&A uh, experience a, a bit because often, I shouldn't say often, but in my experience what I've seen, usually when you when you start seeing a merger and acquisition, suddenly something gets, starts getting cut. We start watching the budget. We start watching the money. Sometimes initiatives get cut or put to the side because they're feel less valued. Um, when it comes to diversity and equity, inclusion, engagement initiatives, have you experienced that? either at Collins or, or some of the subsidiaries where as a result of the merger, this diversity initiative, we're going to put this on hold or we're going to uh, not do this or cut this out. Have you seen that? Not at all. Uh,
2: in fact, I've seen just the opposite of that uh, in the organization. Uh, there is even a greater commitment to uh, diversity, yeah. inclusion, uh, uh, and, and uh, all of the activities wrapped around that Uh, And and as I mentioned earlier, now that we're part of a bigger organization, we have so many more resources to draw upon Mm -hmm. uh, in the organization. So, no, I've seen actually just the opposite where the the corporation is actually saying we need to do more uh, again. And and, uh, I think it's all a part of we want to redefine ourselves as a business. We Mm -hmm. are a brand new business. We're a year old now. Uh, And we want to redefine the way we do business. And and a big, big part of that is the activities that we've got going around the the topic of diversity, inclusion, engagement.
0: So with uh, United Technologies Corporation and merger with Raytheon, that's going to make you the second largest after Boeing. So how do you help your team, who are part of the Rockwell and now Collins Aerospace and now become part of a larger unit, continue to keep that culture of inclusion that you've been indicating and being very proud of? How do you help them or how do you instill it in the mergers that are going on? Because a lot of times, when, going back to what Anthony said, that that can get diluted at times when you're looking at bigger companies and they may not be further along on their journey compared to what maybe Collins may be.
2: Yeah. So so you know part of it is we control what we can control right and with <laughs> <So true. laughs> and, and within within my business I can con, I, I, you know I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I can sponsor a lot of initiatives around this and and I can lead by example through that and that uh, obviously trickles through the organization and and it becomes a a model for that's what's important to us that, that and and I firmly believe that when people see that type of environment being created they want to be a part of it mm-hmm. they, they they want to uh, be on that team or a part of that organization. And, uh, you know, my experience tells me if you do that, people start coming on the team and others start looking at that, going, what's going on over there? How are they mm-hmm. being successful? Mm-hmm. And and there's something something unique that they're doing that's creating this level of engagement, this level of performance and innovation. It's through that discovery process then that we as uh, uh, a leadership team at the Collins Aerospace level then talk about and we take best practices from my peers uh, from they take from me for example and how do we spread that through the broader portion of the organization things that work and maybe things that don't always work because right. let's face it sometimes some of our initiatives aren't successful yeah. and we need to learn from that uh, it's a journey it is and it's yeah.
0: part of that journey as an individual as well as the organization Well, Phil. I am a firm believer that when it comes to diversity, that we can have conversations around religion as well as politics. And in your world, when it comes to the aerospace and defense and working a lot with the DOD globally, political ideologies um, are at the forefront. Can you share how you were able to get through the landmines, to say, I guess? Um, How do you navigate navigate the landmines? Because we know that this is... Hot topic, not just here but around the world when it comes to political ideologies. And you have a lot of countries that you work with and different laws that could also impact your work around diversity.
2: Yeah, you know, the 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 way I look at it in the organization is is I try to keep people focused on uh, the fact that governments don't move fast, right? And uh, mm. uh, that that's just not here in the United States. That's everywhere. That that things take a while to percolate to to. to uh, uh, to, go, uh, to, to see, come to fruition. And even though there's sometimes a lot of urgency or a lot of messaging that's going on in the in the media or what activity, we can't be distracted by that. That we've got to continue our mission regardless of uh, who's in the political office or what their uh, background or ideology is. At the end of the day, the technology that we're developing is still needed. The customers are still the customers that we're going to serve in the future. The purpose of what we do in order to keep people safe, uh, allow them to fly, to travel, to keep our, uh, our uh, global uh, defense forces safe and be able to return home at the end of the mission, all of that stays the same. It doesn't matter who's in office or what their ideology is. We need to stay focused on what the mission is in our uh, business. And that's really to provide value for our customers, continue to create an environment where people want to use our products and engage with that. And that transcends politics. It transcends religious backgrounds uh, as we go through
3: that. I, I, I want to expand on that. I'm glad you asked that because I think, I think that's great. I think that's great. And I don't, and I don't mean this to, to – uh, well, yeah, I do mean to, to challenge you on that a little mm-hmm. bit because the reality is that's how you feel. But to your point, you control what you control. And I imagine that there some scenarios – where things go against the grain of what Phil Jasper's thinking, and how are you, how do you manage that personally how does how do you manage that throughout and I don't you don't need a specific example, but sure. how does Phil manage uh, decisions that go against your value systems when it comes to diversity or equity inclusion Yeah, um, and that you can 't control
2: yeah you know uh, i i I've really not encountered that situation because it's it's a case of we uh, I wouldn't have been gotten to the position that I'm at in the corporation yeah. if that would be a problem. All right? I wouldn't be as successful as I've been in, throughout my career, as fortunate as I've been throughout my career, uh, if that had been a problem. And, and I think that if that's a problem in a culture within a company, people aren't going to want to work there. Mm-hmm. That uh, People are not going to want to stay working there. They're not going to be engaged. They're not going to be innovative. And you're either going to see the people leave or the company not be successful, and none of that is happening within within Collins. So, you know, I really don't see that as an issue because we really try to keep people focused on what we what our purpose is in the organization and where we are headed as an organization. Uh, and and uh, you know, I I I just think that uh, you know we've been very successful in recruiting and engaging great talent throughout mm-hmm. the organization. We still have work to do, definitely on the diversity and inclusion front. Uh, But it's a journey as we continue on.
0: We always uh, like to hear from our listeners, and they have questions that we want to ask on behalf of them to our guest executives and leaders around the show. Anthony, who is our guest listener, and uh, what question do they have?
3: Yep, this comes from one of our listeners, Nick, and he says, we all have privileges, but as a white person, I know I have societal and systematic privileges that others don't have, which has allowed certain advantages for me in the corporate world. I want to hear from another white leader on your show how they feel about this subject. Have they ever experienced their own advantages as a white leader? And if so, how do they use it to create a level
2: playing field in their, in their world? Yeah. So, you know, my experiences uh, have undoubtedly been different than those of underrepresentative groups. Uh, you know, that, that uh, as I mentioned, I grew up on a farm in Iowa, uh and and i can resonate with some of those uh uh some of those comments that uh that the listener uh brought forward but you know part of that the one of the big part is acknowledging that that uh right. i i acknowledge that um, you know yeah in 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 those lights i may have had certain privileges in my life that others have not experienced right. and i think acknowledgement of that is a key element of uh, uh is a first step if you will in terms of then Okay, making sure that that doesn't, uh, that bias, uh, that, that natural bias, if yeah. you will, does not come into play as you're going throughout the, the organizations. And that's, that's why, uh, uh, you know, we've done focus groups where we've tried to understand what are the unconscious bias. We do training around unconscious bias in the organization. And we really try to strive to uh... look for ways that we can we can mentor people in the organization regardless of their background regardless of uh... Um, their, uh... status or cultural uh, upbringing we look for opportunities to engage them in special projects to make sure that we're providing opportunities for everyone in the organization to get exposure to us and you know i mentioned the diversity and inclusion council that's one of the things we're trying to do because uh... you know my background is very different from uh, underrepresented groups, for example. Right. So, mm-hmm. by bringing individuals like that together to share experiences, to give us recommendations, it's another tool that we have as leaders who may not have those backgrounds and experiences right. from getting at least insight into that yeah. and making sure that we can take steps to deal with that yeah. in our organization. I'm glad you.
3: I'm glad you mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, it's a good question by Nick, by the way. Yes. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned that. That recognizing that privilege. Um, because oftentimes, and I can speak you know, from my experience when I've had um, white counterparts or we've had these discussions about race relations, et cetera, and the conversation usually starts with, I, I don't have, a am not racially biased, you know, I have black friends, or I'm not racially biased, I don't see color. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge red flag because, as Sarah said, last time I checked in the crayon box, there was a white crayon in the box. Yep. And so it's about recognizing it's okay to recognize that you're Caucasian. It's okay for me to recognize I'm African-American. It's okay for Seneca to recognize her Indian descent. But how do we leverage those privileges? Because in some respects, in some areas of the world, you have privilege, Seneca that I don't have. Mm-hmm. In some areas, Phil, I have privileges that you don't yeah. have. And so how do we leverage that together? So I was glad to hear that you, you acknowledge that.
0: Yes, and thank you, Nick, to our listener, and uh, for our other listeners, please continue to submit your questions to info at com, as our guests love to hear from you, and we love to hear from you, and they love to answer your questions. All right, Phil, I don't know how athletic you were growing up on the farm in <laughs> not Iowa. Not very, not very. <laughs> so this segment... Um, includes a diversity thumb ball we've been getting a lot of feedback about uh, this portion they all want to know what a diversity thumb ball is it's basically a soccer ball that is soft and it has all these diversity questions on it it is a great tool um, to have as part of your team networking icebreaker you name it but i'm going to throw it at you or i'm going to throw it at anthony or i may throw it to lindsey back here (laughs) (laughs) but when you catch it wherever your thumb lands please um you know, uh, read the question and then respond. All right. Joe, be ready if it gets to you as well, okay?
3: All right. It came to me first. And the question is, why do you seek out people similar to you as friends? And I think we all do that. I think, I think that's a, it's a little bit of a problem in some respects because you tend to hang around people that walk, talk, act, sing like you. And as a leader, somebody in the workforce that can affect your decision-making in terms of how you hire and fire. And so I think that's, um, you seek people out cause it's human nature, but it's not always the right thing to do. Right.
0: That's what we call affinity bias. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. Absolutely. All right. Ready? Ready? Ball's going.
0: Uh, that was a good throw. Yeah.
3: Good catch by fish.
0: <laughs> you made a reach for that one.
2: <laughs> how do you respond to jokes that are demeaning or derogatory? Um, you know, I think it, uh, that's that's a really good question, and and it's something uh, all all people need to uh, uh, to get comfortable with. And and immediately you need to say uh, something to the effect of, you know, look, I don't believe that's appropriate, or or you know, let's uh, let's not talk about that right now. You you have to step in right away because if you don't, if you wait to address it maybe offline with the individual, it creates the perception that you're okay with it. And so you have to address it head on. You've got to talk about it right away. But you have to do it in a way that's non-threatening because it might be that the individual doesn't even realize that they've done that. That's right. Uh, And and so, you know, but you want to point out to them, look, that's really not an appropriate discussion or an appropriate joke uh, for this type of environment. And uh, because it is a direct reflection on all of us, if we just sit quietly by, even if we're offended by that and don't say anything, it's a reflection yeah. on all of us and i think it's important that we all speak up in that environment
3: yeah. there's a CEO, there's a pretty well known ceo in this community that uh um that i lean on quite a bit and we we talk about this and he 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 tells me a lot about the man he used to be and how those things he used to let slide and he doesn't anymore right. um, and it's a conscious decision he's made and he knows that it's it could be at the the uh, conflict of some of his friendships right. in the business world but yeah. It's a conscious decision he's made um, to make a difference. From that, we call them water cooler conversations. Exactly right. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) All right, my turn. (laughs) All right.
0: Oh, an instance when someone went out of their way to make you feel included.
3: Don't I do that every day, (laughs) Erica?
0: Yes, you do, Anthony. (laughs) This is an interesting one. Why am I getting stumped with this one, though?
3: Don't know. Do you not feel included?
0: Well there is a thing about being included and then actually feeling engaged. I get included all the time, it seems as if, whether it's being included in a meeting or being invited to an event. So I guess I was stumped because I feel like I get included a lot. That's not my problem. I think for me it's that level of engagement, Mm -hmm, Phil. And that's why with this industry, when we talk about equity, diversity, inclusion, they're missing the mark when they don't have engagement as part of that. Because I can be in a meeting, but if the ambiance is not lending itself for me to be able to really share my thoughts, and I am there because I'm gonna be a representative of a department, then I'm included, but I don't feel as if I can share my opinion, my input, my feedback, so I am mentally disengaged. So for me, the hard part is, the engagement, the inclusion is the easier part. Good answer. Wow, that one stumped <laughs> me.
3: <laughs> awesome. Well, Phil, is there anything else as we, as we wrap up uh, the show here? We had a great, this has been a lively conversation. I've been, it's been great. It's been I been can't wait in- to hear it. Yeah, it's been a very inspirational yeah. one. Anything that you wanted to 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 talk about any questions that you wanted to answer or issues you wanted to address that we haven 't brought up today that is, are important to you or, well, or Collins?
2: no I, I wouldn't say uh, issues you know I, I think I think the uh, probably the one topic that I'd, I want to make sure I would come back to is the whole issue of how engagement can create innovation <laughs> and and how inclusion diversity and inclusion activities can make a business difference for us. Uh, you know obviously that's important for me as a business leader in the organization and and you know I've seen that firsthand where we've had a customer for years twelve fifteen years of my career this customer was never happy and it just became almost an inside joke that uh you know as a rite of passage to become a leader in the organization you had to deal with this customer <laughs> uh, because they were difficult very demanding, and we were never going to satisfy them anyway and um, uh Uh, Until one time we put a diverse leader over this organization, and within two years, uh, this customer was completely satisfied with our performance. This leader had done something that no other leader had been able to do with this particular customer. And it wasn't just with the customer, but it was with the team that was supporting the customer to build that level of engagement, to build that environment where we said, you know what? We can make a difference, and we are going to change this. And, uh, uh, you know, following uh, that time, I went to meet with this customer expecting that it was going to be the usual, uh, you know, here's what you're doing wrong type of thing. And the customer just essentially pushed away from the table and said, uh, we don't have any issues with you. Um, What do you want to talk about? So it was, it was refreshing. Yeah. Uh,
0: so well, I'm interested, I'm sure our listeners are as well, what did this individual do different than all the other leaders uh, previously to them, try to do anything particular that you can share?
2: Well, I think, I think they just came in with a very different perspective to say, this is not an intractable problem. Uh, it's, it, um, uh, you know, we, and, and I think this person from their background came in and said, you know, it's not always them. There's, mm. there's some us in here, too, gotcha. in this relationship. And that relationship. person should say that. Yeah. They, and they acknowledged person, it. this person acknowledged that, you know, there's some of us in this problem. So before we can talk about them, let's start talking about what we need to do to fix ourselves. And then once we do that, then that's going to help engage us better with the customer. That's a great story. It's
0: very that, interesting. Very yeah. fascinating. That's a great story. Well, yeah. um, I love for our guests to be able to provide tips to our listeners. So based on your equity, diversity, inclusion and engagement journey, what two pieces of advice would you share with our listeners to help them on their journey to continue to enhance their global leadership skills? Because at the end of the day, that is exactly what we're talking about.
2: I, w- I would say that it starts with leadership and that doesn't necessarily have to mean senior senior leadership, but it starts with everyone is a leader and everyone can have an, implu- an influence on Uh, what happens on a day-to-day basis and whether people feel engaged, whether they can feel authentic in that environment or not. And so I would say it starts with leadership. And part of that is the second thing is the leaders, all of us, need to create an environment where people feel that they can be respected, they can be valued, they can be heard uh, in that environment, regardless of their background, regardless of their experience base. Uh, Those are two really critical things that I think if all of us could do uh, you know, not just the business world, but our communities, our state, our, our, you know, our country, our world would be a much better place.
0: Well, thank you so much, Bill. We have enjoyed um, your time here. If our listeners want to know more about uh, your company, where can they go to access that information? Can you share the website with them?
2: Collins Aerospace So uh, all kinds of information about our company, our leadership, what we do and uh, and how we do it. Good deal.
3: Good deal. Well, thank you for your time. And I'm going to say again, I enjoyed hearing the reverse mentoring story. I've been waiting on that. So thank it, you. And it turned out the way I thought. It was yeah. an inspiring thing for you. And so we appreciate you giving of yourself today outside of just being Phil Jasper, the, the, the president. Uh, we we appreciate you talking to us as Phil Jasper, the man. So Thank you. My pleasure. That. Very thank important you. topic. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you to our listeners, as we wouldn't be here without your support. Help us grow our subscriber base by sharing our show with others.
3: Love this episode of Diversity Straight Up? Then head over to the most popular podcast audio platforms to describe, rate, and review us. And check out our other episodes while you're there.
0: Catch us on our next episode of Diversity Straight Up, which drops monthly.
3: We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up and send your questions, comments, and suggestions to info at diversitystraightup.com. CBJ's Diversity Straight Up is brought to you by Collins Aerospace, City of Cedar Rapids, and Alliance Energy. It was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios.
0: Remember, wherever you live, work, and play, our backyards are increasingly global. It's not enough to simply be a leader. Be a global leader by leveraging diversity with equity, inclusion, and engagement. And share your journey. This may empower others to be bold change agents. Be courageous, be authentic, be vulnerable.
3: Diversity straight up.
0: Keeping it real.